Welcome to the Association Toolbox, a podcast for the most important tool in associations, the dedicated people who work in them. We'll dive into a variety of topics with a focus on how to best serve our members and the amazing people behind the scenes making things happen. From member engagement to event planning, from governance to advocacy, and from leadership to marketing, we've got it all covered. Our guests are experts in their fields who share their real-world experiences, tips, and insights. Join us for a casual and informative conversation and gain new perspectives to help you navigate the world of associations. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just getting started, the Association Toolbox is here to help you make your association the best it can be. So sit back, relax, and let's dive in. Welcome to this episode of the Association Toolbox. Today, I am excited to have a friend and former colleague from Higher Logic with me, David Jovell. David is the director of sales at HireLogic, but he's held many jobs in his five plus years there. And we work together a lot. And he is just an all around awesome guy who I am thrilled to get to talk with anytime, but especially today on the podcast. So welcome, David. Hey, Beth. Thanks so much for having me. Really excited to be here. And I think that, that five years is a little misleading because if anyone out there knows who I am, I've actually been doing marketing automation for an additional 12 years. Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> David was a longtime marketing automation person. That five and a half years is just with Higher Logic. So many years of experience and just a great person to talk to in general about marketing automation. I always enjoy conversations with you. So very excited to have you. Likewise. Thanks. It's interesting because we're obviously going to talk a lot about what we've done recently here at Higher Logic, some of the you know, benchmarking reports, et cetera. But I will say that it's been great knowing you and working with you because it's a lot that I've learned at the same time. Yeah, I appreciate the time we've had together. So we'll keep it going. Yes, thank you. You're definitely a friend that I do not want to lose. So thank you. We're going to talk a little bit about the email benchmarking report that HireLogic put out. So first of all, maybe tell us a little bit about the report because we're going to get into the details of how it was made rather than just the glossed over version of what's in it. But I think people are going to want to know what's in it before we do that. So what's in it? So it's been a project that we've thought about doing for several years. We wanted to look at the data that our customers had and learn and try to help other organizations understand how they stacked up against other organizations in their delivery, their engagement levels, maybe what their conversions were. A lot of what's in that report is a good summary of what 2022 showed us, the rise in volume, the considerations of what might provide better engagement for members. When we think about information like, am I targeting my list properly? How large of a list is too big or too small? Is my subject line ideal the way I have it set up? And then it evolves also into, hey, what should I do to figure out if I could do this better? What steps should I take? So a lot of what's in the email benchmark report included that information. And I really love that. I had an opportunity to work with a lot of different individuals to make sure we were providing the insight that organizations were looking for. I was there for a lot of the talk about it too, and was really excited to see it finally come to fruition now. One of the biggest questions any of us get in marketing animation is, what benchmark should we be going for? What are other people in my industry doing? And my answer is always, you should be benchmarking against yourself. Yeah. First and foremost... You don't go into the gym, pick the biggest guy and say, oh, okay, I should benchmark against him because he can deadlift 450 pounds. So that's what I need to be doing. <laughs> you work at it. You work at what your weight was last time and you try and improve on it. But that said, knowing what others are doing and having an idea of how you stack up, that's important. 
instead of being a benchmark report, it's almost more like a just a comparison report. Yeah. Can you call it a stack up report? How do I stack up next to everybody oh. else? We call it a stack up report. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's just it. Well, it's called the benchmark. It's more so a, here's the statistics that we have gathered and just the data set that you can understand everything that Higher Logic and all the organizations are producing on our end. And then to your point, you know, about trying to compare yourself, your organization, what you know has been successful for you up against what all these other organizations are doing. It's tough to do because it's just different enough. As long as I've been working with associations, you hear that our association is different. And it's very true when it comes to email, right? If you've seen one association, you've seen one association. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it's one of those things where email has been around for a very long time. And there are a lot of people that have mastered it almost yourself being one of them. I know you've had some recent guests on the podcast that also just have a lot of experience. And it's how can we show you the data and be able to say, okay, you have taken recommendations from individuals like that, right? Influencers that are out there in the association space. Now, how do your numbers stack up to what we have? Have you improved? And to your point, you got to start with the baseline. And that's one of the recommendations we make as well. Hey, look at your data. Make sure you understand your data. If your data says that 90% of the people that are engaging with your content, opening your emails, are doing it on a computer versus a mobile device, you might want to be designing a little bit different. You might want to consider how you compose the content that you have. And we, of course, make recommendations on how to consider it. And there's vast amount of information out there. I'm sure you could do a podcast on it, how you would design differently for one audience versus the other. If I'm dealing with securities and like different levels of government agencies that are extremely strict, you're designing very different than someone who has a predominant member base of Google and free email solutions out there. So just something to consider that we talk about a little bit in the email benchmark report. One other thing that I wanted to mention during this conversation and as we continue into our super forum, of course, is we want to hear from associations. This is how we wanted to interpret our data and provide you with areas that you would want to evaluate for yourself. But you're the associations out there. You're the ones that are doing this every day. And so we want to know if there's areas that you want us to help you understand and measure and say, I know what my number is here at my association. I'd love to know what other associations are doing. And let's come up with that formula that makes the most amount of sense. Let's allow our email benchmark report to evolve We're going to be one of the only ones that have this amount of data and these amount of associations that can provide this type of insight. And that's going to be the future of this. As we talk about this a little bit more is how it evolves. And we want to get associations involved so they can help us make it ideal for them. And of course, for other associations that are embarking on some of these changes in their strategy, their technologies, email marketing, whatever it might be. Yeah. And I will definitely make sure to put in the show notes how they can get in touch with you guys to give you more information if they don't know. Some people, they're like, I'm not really sure who to talk to or how to give anybody feedback. So I'll make sure we have that in the show notes. So you can check the show notes for that. Also, you can check the show notes for a link to the email benchmarking report if you have not seen it yet. So you were talking about the data. I'm a giant nerd. I'd love to get a little bit more into the data and what you decided to look at, what you found, maybe some of the limitations that you found when you started to look at it. Because I know data has its limitations everywhere. And how you worked with it to come out with what you reported. Yeah, I think that's a great place to start. So I'd love to think that this was everyone that was involved's idea. And it's not, right? There's a lot of benchmark reports that are out there. And a lot of them include more corporate-driven data. Whereas for us, 
like it's association focused, different type of engagement that would be involved there. And we had individuals that were familiar with what Informs had been doing. And we said, okay, let's look at some of the areas that some of those previous benchmarking reports that we had produced. It's been five, six years now. It's obviously time for us to get updated. Yeah, so things have changed just a little since then. (laughs) Exactly. And we decided what information had we included in the past that had gotten the most amount of feedback. And let's package that up and then let's provide this benchmark report to just get everybody back into the flow of understanding how they should measure, what recommendations and changes they should be making to their organization, right? How to test. And then again, feeding into the evolution of this report, we said, okay, what would be the ideal amount of data to be able to consume? Should we make sure that most associations, by the time we produce this next version of it, they're definitely going to be measuring that. So when you think about opens, when you think about clicks, that's definitely going to be there. We added another level that said, okay, let's look at size of groups, size of lists that you might have, how you might be segmenting or targeting, as well as thinking about time of day and day of week. A lot of the organizations that I work with are still doing the constant send of the same time, the same day of the week, because they know they've usually yielded the highest amount of engagement. They also know their members are looking for the data on that day, right? A lot of us here that are probably listening to this podcast know that at a certain time every day, they're going to get a very specific newsletter from a very large organization because they know it's coming, right? They know exactly what it is. And that's great. Consistency is key. That is going to win. So when we started to look at the data, we just said, okay, let's really try to think about also our international counterparts as well, right? Think about, certainly we're looking at our Greenwich Mean Time, which is GMT, right? But then let's calculate it to make sure we're thinking about that international consideration. So we dive into a little bit of that. And then, of course, we start to break it down by, is it true that Canada might open and click data or the emails more often than their U.S. counterparts? And we found that to be true, right? So, again, just areas that we wanted to have a very high-level benchmark, have everybody say, hey, can you start measuring here? And then that will now allow us to really start looking at more of the data, more of those trends, more of those patterns, and be able to provide future insights. So that's really where this is going to evolve to. We're looking at industry, for example. We're looking at things like subject. All of those different components now is going to be that next layer and level. That's a lot. I think my head's tired now. (laughs) And I like data. With all that data, were there any really important trends or really interesting trends that you found? Things that maybe surprised you? It's the Sunday send. It blew my mind. People talk about it. I'm like, oh, we should just try it and see what happens. People were actually doing it. And so when we started looking at that data, it's just, oh, wow. Okay. So this actually does work. And when you start reading as to what's causing that, you start to learn you're in a grocery line on Sunday, getting ready for the week. What are you doing? Right. And considering the way the industries and markets are right now, we're doing more with less. Beth, have you ever worn more than one hat at an organization? Probably. <laughs> I don't know how to wear just one hat. That is a foreign concept to me. Right. And so you're always trying to find that time where you might be able to get ahead or get caught up or a deadline that you got to meet. And a lot of that's going to be communicating over email. And you're probably sending an update to David to say, hey, don't forget you have this podcast tomorrow. And you get that little notification that says, hey, your weekly newsletter, get ready for whatever association you're a part of. You're a member, right? 
and you click on it really quick, look at the highlights and identify what it is you want to catch up on when you finally get a chance to settle down for that. So that's really what's happening. And so the data was actually supportive of that. And we saw that, we noticed that. It's going to be tough for a lot of organizations, associations to say, should we try this Sunday? But I think that was one that really stuck out for me. And I will tell you, one of the clients that I'm working with right now is using a different um, platform. And when you look at the best days to send based on their data, Sunday is one of them. So it's yeah. not just higher logic. It seems to be pretty much universal. Yeah. yeah. And it's, so, again, thinking about the email benchmark report, the webinar that we did, what we'll be talking about in Superforum, it's how do you invite those individuals that might not allow or you're hitting a roadblock there to be able to say, I should try this. We should A-B test this, right? Let's just give it a whirl to see. Certainly, I send Tuesdays at 10 a.m. every week. That's what everybody's comfortable with. And right now, I'm yielding X percentage of opens and clicks. Great. But what about those people who never open it? (laughs) Exactly. You're missing that other percentage. If that number is larger than what you're getting, it's worth a try. Right, because you yeah, might even actually if it's not. Away. Yeah, even if it's not, sure. trying a resend on Sunday to the people who didn't open it. And speaking of opens, I do want to ask you a question because you guys were looking so closely at the data. Did you do anything to mitigate the Apple privacy effect when you looked at the data? Yeah, so we found the new norm. Right, mm. we found. Let's look at the timing of the release. Let's identify how that affected it, for how long did it affect it? And then what is that percentage that we're saying is an acceptable variable now, right? What is that change? And that's really the approach we took with the data set. Um, Certainly there are ways for us to interpret the tracking of opens. We started to gather, we started to look at that data and lo and behold, we found that wouldn't be very accurate either. So I would hate to filter data to be able to say more than likely it's this. For us, our approach was we're just going to provide that data. Let's allow it to balance out. And then let's just simply understand what the inflation of that amount of opens is, right? Yeah. Opens have always been a tricky thing. And I'll talk to people who work in email marketing and say, well, it only shows up as an open if somebody downloads the images. The amount of surprise that I get sometimes just is interesting. We're all not doing a good enough job of educating people. I don't know. But to me, it's just something I've known for so long. It's just like completely a baseline thing. But I guess most people wouldn't necessarily know that. So we've always had a problem with opens. Opens have always been under counted, particularly if they're people who a lot of their users use Outlook or Gmail. You're getting, in some cases, 25, 30% would not be surprising to me if that's how many opens they were really getting because people just weren't downloading the images because preview pane generally has it turned off. And you have to tell it to start turning it on. So the first trick is to get your members to accept you as a trusted sender. Then you at least know that they're really opening it. But now the Apple thing is to swing it back the other way. And I feel like now we're probably seeing percentages that are closer to reality than we were before. Even though some of the people who opened it didn't, some of the people who didn't open it opened it, and you can't trust it for a resend on opens alone. That's true. It doesn't hurt. You can, but you're better off looking at the clicks as your number one, your first focus, because those people definitely interact. Well, 
for the most part, they interacted with it. That's not true now either. Now so there are some phantom clicks out there, certainly, right? But Basically, are, we know nothing. But HireLogic has implemented some mechanisms to be able to detect some of that, right? Yeah. So yeah. There, there's definitely ways to help mitigate some of that. It's not going to be 100% accurate. And I love saying 100%. Let's see how many times I say it in this podcast. But the other piece of it, too, to consider is for a long time, think about everyone that's forwarding email messages. That's opens there too, right? And then it's also just something that we've thought about here is just, okay, if somebody doesn't download the image, therefore it's not tracked as a traditional open, but they do click on a link, that's converted to an open because obviously mm -hmm. they clicked on it, it was open. But what's that math? Because that will tell us what the percentage of people that aren't downloading images actually might be. Ooh. So you think about ways you can look at that data and start to measure and understand that, like that's the evolution of it. So now we can more comfortably say and more accurately be able to say, traditionally, when you send to a list this size and you're in this industry and you send on a Tuesday and it's mostly mobile device, here's the percentage of people that are not downloading images, but are still engaging with your content. So you're missing out on maybe a percentage similar to that, right? So there's just some logic and something to consider, something we want to continue to further analyze there. I'm fascinated by this now. I want to hear more about this when you go down that road. You know me. You've triggered the nerd, the super nerd now. You've triggered the super nerd. Good job there. With all of this, you and I could sit here and talk about this stuff for ages. So with all of this, I sort of how did you decide which pieces you were actually going to cover? Because you guys did a webinar on this. And how did yeah. you decide what you were going to focus on in that webinar, what people might be the most interested in seeing displayed on screen? We picked the ones that we think were what an organization should be measuring, at least this, right? And we hit those home and we said, here's what we found. How does this stack up to what you're doing? And then that turned into what you're not doing today. Here's how you can go and accomplish that. And this is, of course, solution platform agnostic. It is really just, if you want to be successful in marketing automation at an association, these are the numbers that you want to start to look at. And we said, that's a lot of really good intel that we could share knowing that we have some of the data to support it like a sunday send right so when you think about that making sure that the benchmarking report was sound was simple to just download it quickly understand and then take a few actions from there immediately apply it to your org how you want to measure and then in the webinar we're like okay here's how you can then present this to your team when you're saying i want to make a change i want to try something different here's why i want to try something different so that hopefully is something that organization can start to take with them. And it even came down to where staff actually led a A-B test on our end and said, would it be a better opportunity for us to send out an ebook versus something like a cheat sheet, right? What is it that your members are going to want? Are they going to want a toolkit if they're a brand new member? Or are they going to want something that's more of like a, great, I'm going to sit down Sunday breakfast and I want to read about 10 pages of what I need to know about this association. What are, what's going to work, right? And so we did our own A-B test. I promised on the webinar that I wouldn't share the results of that until we actually hit a super form. If you're interested Aww. in that information, you got to check it out at Superform. But again, it's just, Steph had roadblocks, right? Internal buy-in. She had to go through a process, right? This is the experience that she can bring and share. So that way, if associations want to improve, identify, hey, what if I did something like this? Would it work? How do I test it? What tools could I use and I should be asking about with my solution or platform that I have that I need to be able to leverage? And at the end of the day, it's one, you've either proven it wrong and that it's not going to work. Great. 
you don't have to go to bed at night saying, what if, right? And then B, it could be, it solidifies what you already knew. Great. Not only did I think that was going to work, I've proven it, right? And let's continue to build. And now for my next trick. <laughs> Marketers are magicians. That's really what the webinar was about, right? It really started to kick that off and get the momentum. And again, I can't reiterate enough, just inviting all the associations we work with, all the markets that are out there, share some of it, understand, tell us that we're wrong. Let's go find new data to help support other areas and avenues that we can explore. You heard it here first, folks. David Jovell said to come tell him if he's wrong. <laughs> just come tell him he's wrong. It doesn't matter what it's about. Just tell him he's wrong. A hundred percent wrong. You were the one who got me saying that so much that I actually started driving myself crazy. Good. Oh, thanks. So you did, you mentioned Superforum, which of course you're going to give us the answers now to what you found with that AB test, right? Before Superforum? Didn't that what you, I, I could swear that what you just said. Oh, definitely not something I'm ready to do now. 100% not, huh? Because <laughs> we're actually looking at additional data. I have to give a shout out to like our engineers because as anyone that's managing multiple enterprise level systems, right? There's no magic button to say, I have this thing. Sure, there's chat GPT, which is great, <laughs> but how do we do that for data, right? How do we get the BI tools to come in and do it? That's how this is evolving as well, right? We have chat to GPT at- has an API, I'm just saying. Yeah, exactly. And that's where we're at. And it's funny because I know you just did a podcast with somebody who talked a lot about that. So it was very interesting and fascinating to me to be like, okay, like how do we package that together? How does that then influence what we could get out of some of those other systems. But what I'm getting at is like our engineering teams had to say, all right, what are the questions? What are you asking? What is it that you want to know out of this data? Because engineers have a lot of information. They just like, how do we get it out? Shout out to them because they worked with us. They were patient with us. And if anyone's ever gone to someone who's in the IT department, a database administrator, or even pulled the data for yourself, the moment you pull that data, you just thought of something else that you need, right? <laughs> You're like, so. oh, I should have pulled this. Oh, I, oh wait, I should have pulled in this. Oh, and, yeah, and I should have pulled in this. I do a lot of work in IMIS and got my certified IMIS professional. It was my birthday Ooh. present to myself last month. I finished it 45 minutes before my birthday. I actually passed the test. And it was a big moment because it's a hard thing to get, but... I do a lot of pulling data in there and IQAs and playing with IQAs and creating you know, business objects in the back end that are working with different tables. And it's so frustrating because you create the business object and then you go out to your IQA and you're like, I need to pull in this table. So you're back in there and you come back. I need to pull in this table. If I'm going to display it. And it's just this never ending thing of, Oh, I need to go get this. Oh, I need to go get that. And when it actually works, it's amazing. It's so much fun. And that's why it's fun to celebrate things like this, like this report, because they know how much work goes into it. So kudos to everybody over there. Oh, yeah. It's just, again, one of those other considerations. It's what did you click to open? What does that mean? What does unique mean versus gross? Which one's more important and valuable? Maybe we should report on both. Get the raw number. The fact that I tell you that something increased by 30%. It's like when somebody gives me a discount to something and they haven't told me the original price. Right? Well, 30% off. 30% off of what? You, free? Because right? 30% off free is still free. <laughs> yeah. So when I go out and I share information about, oh, we learned that it increased by 20%. Okay, but what's the raw? Is that an extra 100 million? 
What are we talking about? That's again, more detail that we have to get. And as you can imagine, data being transferred and working through it, analyzing and come together. So again, that it, it took a lot of patience from that team. It definitely took some coordination. Luckily, I was working with some individuals who have done it at an association. So they were like, hey, when I was in this role, this is what I needed to know. This is how I evaluated the data. And then, of course, now that we're working with several different organizations and customers, I'm hearing this, I'm hearing that. We should cover this. We want to make sure that our association that we work with, they understand what that Apple MPP was, right? Like, how does that technology work? How's that affecting me? I didn't know that. When we made recommendations like change the way that you evaluate your call to actions, and people were like, I just know to put a registered link here, right? That's just what I know. How do I make this different? I want people to register. And it's that's your goal. Certainly a member knows how to register and they want to register, but at the end of the day, they want to earn credits. That's it's their not goal. about your goal. That's marketing 101. It's not about your goal. Right. It's about so, their goal. Lose so, the word I, lose the word we, unless you're ta- referring to yourself and your members. Yeah. Lose, lose the focus, lose the internal focus. Yeah. Put yourself and, in there. There's a reason why personas are so important because it's supposed to help you put yourself in that person's shoes as completely as possible. What would they be interested in? One of the things I've done with ChatGPT that I find fascinating is I'll give it a persona. I answer all of the following questions as if you're this person. And then I'll go ask them questions like what keeps you up at night and all this other stuff. That's a fun exercise. If anybody hasn't tried it, I recommend it. It's fun. Just to see what they say. Take one of your member personas, go to ChatGPT. Drop it in, say, answer all of your questions as Susie. And this is Susie's profile and you give it the persona and then you ask it questions and it answers them all as Susie. And it's really fascinating. To your point, it's, it's so intelligent. It's amazing to see what it can do. And it's, again, just ways we should be thinking about it and break out of our norms. When you think about Superforum and what we got going on there, we're going to continue to cover some additional information. I told you that we have our own A-B test that we want to share with you, right? Because we're marketers too right? We don't know what's going to stick. We hope what we've produced is good enough. We're listening to what our customers are saying to say, you want more of this type of content. This might be helpful. So we want to promote that and we want to see what sticks. We want to see which types of customers, organizations that it sticks with, right? So it's information that we're going to be able to share with you just so that way you have another purview if it's different and it strays from what you're doing today, right? And I think it's just another it's like another point of view. It's fascinating to just learn from you. It's like, you've been a customer for a very long time. You've been at this association for a very long time. I had a limited earlier in my career exposure to marketing in associations. Keep in mind, Beth, when I was doing it, the internet was still coming out, right? So to your point, things have changed, right? But at the same time, it's just now you're on this side, right? And now you're able to see, okay, how many other associations are running into this? Let's try something different. So there's some strategies, some recommendations, aims that we're going to be able to share to say, we've had success doing it like this. Here's the data. Here's how we did it. Here's what to consider and evaluate. How do you execute on that? How do you launch something like that? Right. And it's going to continue down that road that we started with the webinar and at, at Superform, I, I think it's material that. Anyone that's starting off all the way to more advanced organizations in their marketing are going to benefit from. And really my mantra for this year has been to keep things really simple because if you don't have those good foundations and fundamentals in place early on, as you get more advanced and scale up, it's tough to be able to bring those back up. So again, for me, it's let's make sure that you've got your foundation going strong. 
We're going to share some additional techniques that are a little more advanced. And then just thinking about the different streams of revenue that associations have, events, continuing education, sponsorships. How... Revenue is always critical, especially now. Yeah. yeah. Like when you think about marketing automation, email marketing, we'll sprinkle in some community because it's been successful for so many organizations. What are those techniques? A lot to fill in in about that hour that we have. But again, I'm, I challenge anyone that's listening to this podcast, send us information and questions, right? We want to make sure we're covering that content. We want this to evolve. We want this to continue. I want to come back on the podcast again in X amount of time to be able to say, we got these two questions at least, <laughs> and we were able to answer them. Here's what we found. And then we just exploded and found these other areas that I think would be beneficial for associations. To I will definitely have you back on the podcast to talk about those things. I'm interested to hear about the results of that AB testing after Superforum is over. Maybe drag you back in for that one too, just to find out about that. If not, people can obviously go to Superforum and find out about it. Can you tell us when Superforum is, please? I am super excited for Superforum, by the way. I have not <laughs> missed one since the acquisition. It's funny. It's like when you ask someone their partner's birthday or wedding anniversary, they're just supposed to know these things, right? So clearly I'm supposed to know when Superform is. And it is in April, uh, the 10th through the 12th. <laughs> it is going to be at the National Harbor in Washington, D.C. at the Gaylord Hotel and Resorts. We've hosted it there before. It's a good venue. It's a great location. Great venue. Yeah, it was yeah. really good. So here's the bonus question. When is my session? <laughs> See, now I got to go look that up. I will answer my own question. My session is Wednesday morning at 1030, I believe. Okay, great. So no one go out and party too hard Tuesday night because <laughs> I wouldn't want you to miss it. And it is on change management, which is given all of the changes with different softwares right now, definitely with Thrive coming on online, more people getting Thrive or thinking about it or from the IMS side, people looking to do AMS and all of the work there. Change management associations is more critical than ever right now. It's all about change management and how to affect change, particularly when you're not the leader of the organization itself and you're trying to do it from inside, which is the harder part to do because you've got to get people to work with you that don't report to you. And as marketers, a lot of us know that's our life, day-to-day -day life. But when something as important as technology change and that is writing on it, it gets a little bit higher stakes. So it's gonna be fun it's it's a subject that i really like talking about so it's gonna be fun so i can only imagine that you've gone through that a couple of times <laughs> yeah the biggest one was the imus implementation at aaa when i got to aaa they were using a homegrown database that they'd built in the 90s and it was so old that i was still in there as a prospect because 15 years earlier i had brought, bought labels one set of labels for a conference i was running 15 years ago, I was still in there as a prospect with that same email address from 15 years ago and like 10 jobs ago, not 10 really. And then they were using Microsoft LiveWriter for their website, Wow, which I had never heard of. And if you used a special character, apostrophe, a dash, anything like that, nine times out of 10, it would break the page and you'd have to get IT to fix it. So we went from that to IMUS Informs and Community. And we also went from 34 million a year to 128 million a year. So that's, that's right? five years. Yeah, in five years. So if that is not, if that is not a significant plug for investing in the technology and investing and in the podcasting you were talking about earlier that I was on earlier, we were talking about investing in 
the knowledge and understanding of how to use the technology you've invested money in. Yeah. Which is a great use for Superform. It's a great opportunity also to just talk about even arriving at Superform and being able to connect with our advisors. That I think is one of the highlights of our launch of Thrive and our Thrive Plus because it's an opportunity for someone who knows our products to be able to say, that's your goal. That's where you want to get to. The analogy I always give is you could absolutely walk across the country to a destination, but you would much rather fly. You'll get there faster and be able to maximize the opportunity when you arrive there versus all the time you spent there. Certainly it's an adventure. You're going to learn a lot, Mm -hmm. but darn it, you're going to save a lot more time and ultimately money if you were to fly, right? So with the advisors, it's very much the same way. It's like you have this technology. You have all of these different features, functionality, but when are you supposed to use it? When do I kick it off? How is it something that I can use at the right time? So again, it's an opportunity at Superforum connecting with the advisors. Here's a goal that I have. How does this work? That's also an area that I'm really excited about as well. Um, And again, those are the individuals that are feeding into a lot of the content that we'll be producing as we go further with this email benchmark report, as we continue on with the webinars and some of the strategies that we're releasing. It's a lot of those advisors who are working with customers to say, this is how it's always worked up until 2022, 2023, and now we had to make a change. Did it work? How is it working? How have they adopted AI, ChatGPT? Is it working? Yes, here's how we leverage it. And you have these technologies like your website, like your email marketing tool, like your community tool. This is how other organizations are making AI and some of those other technologies prominent throughout their association. And this is how members are taking advantage of it, right? So that is going to be a good opportunity for those associations who may not have more than one or two people that are working in in, in marketing, working, overseeing the community side of things, right? Those areas. How do you get exposure to that? That's where Superforum is going to be great. Definitely. Tell people the dates one more time. April 10th through the 12th, National Harbor. Hope to see you all there. I will definitely see you there. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in person again, my friend. Can't wait. And thank you so much for joining me. You could watching and listening in podcast land. You wouldn't know this, but David was kind enough to join me at about eight o'clock at night to record this so that we could get it out. So thank you so much for joining me and for making our schedules finally fit out, even if it was at 8 p.m. So I really appreciate it. And always good to talk to you, my friend. Absolutely. Likewise. It's always a pleasure. And talking late in the evening with you is great. I appreciate it. So thank you so much for having me on. I was excited. I look forward to seeing everyone at Superform. Yeah. And thanks everybody for listening. Really appreciate you as always. Check the show notes for links to some of the things we were talking about and to Superform. And as always, thanks for being with us. Have a great day. There's